in the evening church we're um, continuing looking at the gospel of Matthew we were here this morning we've been here since um, September I think it was we we started looking at this and um, this morning we were in the same chapter that we are in tonight we were in chapter 9 and, and we're, we were in the middle of chapter 9 a story there that the pastor Matt shared and we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute but um, tonight we're in the last four verses we're looking at the last four verses of chapter 9 but I want to give you a bit of a picture of where this falls in Matthew because I think it, it adds to the overall impact of Jesus's actions and his teaching here because a lot of a lot of this we this chapter we've covered already Jesus had healed and forgiven a paralyzed man in this chapter he had called a tax collector named Matthew to be a disciple he had taught John's disciples about fasting he had raised a girl from the dead we heard this morning that he had healed a woman who had um, been bleeding for 12 years he healed a blind man and he had driven the demonic out of a man enabling him to speak and following that last miracle that I just said it tells us this in Matthew 9 just um, in the verses just before uh, we're going to cover tonight it says this in 9 and 33 the crowd was amazed and said nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel what Jesus was doing up to this point was simply incredible and and what he does with these um, few verses that we're going to look at tonight is simply incredible and it says like nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel and the people were astonished they were amazed and and even though we we have this we have the context we have the overall story I hope that tonight as we begin to look at this and what these verses are saying to us I hope that we're still amazed by the work of Jesus knowing that that what we read in these words he can and does do today as, as, was, as we, we just sang and we just said that, that he makes a way that he completely heals people. And, and what he was doing here was, was simply amazing. And nothing like it had ever been seen before. Of course it hadn't. Because he's the one. The only one. Nothing like it had ever been seen before because he was the one to come. He was the one promised to them. They couldn't have seen it before. The Messiah had not been before. But here he is, the chosen one, in front of their eyes, doing what he's doing. And in different versions name these few verses that we're looking at different things. And, and I know a lot of us will read slightly different versions or, or translations, whatever you want to call it, of the Bible. But um, a lot of them will concentrate on the last verse and say they'll title these few verses uh, the workers are few or or the harvest is plentiful the laborers few something like that but the new king james says the compassion of jesus and 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 all of these things are correct in what they're saying but we really just i just want to hone in on this the compassion of jesus 
And maybe a lot doesn't necessarily mean to be, be drawn from this, but I think it's, it helps us to realise that there's a lot of different avenues that we can go down when we're looking at God's word. And you'll understand what I mean when we read these verses together tonight. So we're going to read from Matthew 9, beginning at verse 35. And it says this, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Church, let's pray as we begin to study God's word together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the, perf- the perfect life that your son Jesus lived. Thank you for his example. Thank you, Lord, for the truth that we have here before us, God. And I pray that tonight that we would understand and know the compassion of Jesus. I pray that tonight as we would read of of the miracles that took place here, God, I just pray that we would know and understand that God is at work today. God, would these words truly impact us? Would, would they do something that they have not done in us before? God, I just pray that, that tonight that, that your word would truly speak to us. And thank you for it. It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. And yeah, as I said, we're studying these verses and so... I just want to begin by looking at this first verse here, the one that we read at the very start. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. The few accounts that we read up to this point in Matthew, like I said at the start, what had been happening was honestly remarkable. What Jesus is doing here is so special. And then in this verse, we have a summary of Jesus' ministry in Galilee up to this point. He's going from place to place. He's preaching the kingdom of God. And he's healing and delivering people. That's his ministry. That's what he was about at this stage. At the beginning of Matthew 9, it tells us that he is in Capernaum. It tells us that he is in his own town. And I want to tell you a little bit about the area that Jesus um, is in here, that he's ministering in. Because it tells us that, um, history tells us that Capernaum around this time had a population of about 1,500 people. It had its own synagogue, so his own town as it describes at the start of Matthew, where Jesus based his ministry from. It has its own synagogue. And, and, and again, the, the importance of that makes sense when, when we understand where it is that Jesus is ministering. Because we know of at least 50 synagogues in that region of Galilee there at that time. And Galilee itself that he was ministering in, it had a population of over 3 million So the region that he's in has a population of over 3 million at this time. 
And, and, and what really blew my mind about the impact of Jesus, the impact that he was having on this area at this time, was, well, well there's a few different things here. I just imagine that, that C- Capernaum itself, is, it's, a, it's a fairly prominent um, place. It's a, really, it's, a, it's a fishing centre, it's a working centre. But there's, there's 1,500 people here among 3 million in the area. And it has a synagogue. And it tells us in the verse that we just read that that Jesus is teaching in their synagogues. So if if, if a place that has 1,500 people has a synagogue, we know of at least 50 synagogues there at that time. Think of the message that Jesus is preaching here. Think of the volume of what he is having to do in his ministry here. I was just thinking about this morning as well and in light of um, the message that we had heard and and how Jesus still has time. How he still has time to stop and to not only speak with the individual but to heal them and and to affirm them. What Jesus is doing here is simply incredible. And, and, and as I said, their history tells us um, that Galilee has a population of over 3 million at this time. And, and what I want to tell you about Galilee is a few different things that history tells us and, 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 and also the Bible tells us about it. It was predominantly poor. It was a poor place it was overpopulated. It was overcrowded. When you add those two things together, you add the fact that people are poor, that there, there is a crisis in Galilee of poverty. Yes, there are those who have, but there are so many that do not have. You put together the fact that they are poor, and that there are too many people, that it is overpopulated. And what you get when you put those two things together are a lot of sick people. Even today, when you think of today, when you think of countries and regions that have too many people, that, that are overpopulated but also poor, you think of how many people are sick and even today with, with medicine and with advancements that we have, we know that those two things together are not good. They can't be good. So think about it. This was long before any kind of modern medicine or advanced medical treatment. There's no, there's no equivalent health service or anything here. And the Bible mentions physicians, but um, not... Not an awful lot. It doesn't really say that they're highly thought of. They're not really accessible. What, what healthcare looked like here was the majority of people who were sick were treated at home by family. And they were using remedies that had little to no success. And then comes Jesus. And then comes Jesus, the hope of humanity. And no matter what, what version that you want to read this in, it tells us and you read that every sickness and every disease would come under the authority of Jesus Christ. Somewhere that is overpopulated and that is so sick. And it says every sickness, every disease, Jesus Christ, the sent one 
comes. And we know from what we read here that Jesus wanted the whole person to be healed. We need to remember what Christ's ministry was about. He preached and it tells us he preached and we know because of what we've just read, boy he preached, he preached and he preached and he preached. Yes he taught the people about the kingdom of God and he taught them about the love of God. But he also was himself the love of God. He taught them the kingdom. But he himself ministers to them. And this is where this phrase, be the hands and feet of Jesus, comes from. Because he fed people who were hungry. He heals people who are sick. He gives back people their dignity. And spiritually, he does a work in their lives that nobody else can do. That's what Jesus is about. He's ministering to so many, to so many at this time. And he wants the whole person to be healed, physically, spiritually. And it's amazing when you think about the fact that there's, there's overpopulation and that there's, um, that there's uh, poverty in the land. It makes a lot of sense with what, with what you read and in Jesus' ministry and, and the few words that we have. How many times does he come across crowds or the crowds gather? How many, how many times do we see him ministering to people who are in real desperate need? Why are there thousands hungry? This is, what, this is what this region was at this time. And then comes Jesus. And see, yes, there, there are millions for him to minister to. There's synagogue after synagogue. There's, there's sick person after sick person. And we read, we read accounts there that are just simply mind-blowing. But we also read every sickness and every disease. And... And what we've been saying today, what's, what's been a theme through, through our services this morning and even tonight, is that even within crowds, Jesus sees you. You, the individual. I want to remind you of this truth today in light of the ministry that we're reading here that Jesus does. In light of what we know about God and, and like we heard this morning, even within a crowd of people, Jesus saw the need of one woman. Even within the crowds of people in the towns and the cities and the villages and everywhere that he was ministering, Jesus was still healing individuals. I mean, this mass miracle worker, I think that's incredible. The verses that we read there at the start where it tells us that he healed every sickness and every disease among the people. That, that is absolutely astonishing. But what is within that? What is within healing every sickness and every disease? What is within the ministry of Jesus here to crowds and crowds of people? The individual. There are individuals. Jesus is impacting individual people's lives. He was still meeting the individual's need. 
Jesus sees you. God sees you. You're not going to get lost in a crowd. And don't try and do that either. Don't try and come and just be another number. Have an encounter with the living God and see what he will do with your life. Because Jesus, even within crowds, he sees you. We'll move on to the next verse there. It tells us in Matthew 9, 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Jesus is, Jesus is saying a lot here. There's, there's a lot in these few verses. And, and even in this one verse, there's, there's so much here. He's recognizing a number of things. And one of the things that he is saying is he's recognizing that the religious leaders of this time, they just were not cutting it. They weren't, they weren't shepherding the people. The people are lost and, and without a shepherd. They were not being shepherded by these religious leaders. They, they were bullying them. They were, they were demeaning. They were requiring people to follow things that weren't even given in the law. That weren't even given in the law of Moses. They, they were making it impossible. Impossible from so many angles. These people were lost because they were not being led. And, and Christ sympathizes with this. The people are stuck. We'll read other versions that describe them as harassed and helpless. Weary and scattered. Because what are they supposed to do? Church sheep without a shepherd are lost. And I want to remind you tonight that this is us without God. We are as good as lost. And just as, just as um, these people here are compared to the sheep, so too are we defenseless. The verse says that the sheep become weary and scattered with no shepherd. Jesus sees the people weary and it's not supposed to be like that. You will find rest in God. Those who are weary and heavy burdened, he gives rest. God wants to care for you. Jesus sees people scattered. It's not supposed to be like that. It doesn't need to be like that. God is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, his word. God has given us community to be in. He wants to be our shepherd. He wants to, to guide us. And he doesn't want us to be scattered. He doesn't want us to be alone. He's drawing us in. He gives us what we need. And when I was looking at this, one of, uh, one of the, um, the writers, they, they said this 
about the compassion of Jesus, what we read in that passage there. And the word which is used for moved with compassion, it's the strongest word for pity in the Greek language. It describes the compassion which moves a man to the deepest depths of his being. There's there's actually other commentators that will say that it was almost like it was almost like they didn't know how to describe the compassion that Jesus was moved with. To the depths of his being, with everything that he had, he was moved for these people who were lost, who were scattered and weary, who were harassed and helpless, because he wants to be everything that they need. He, he wants to lead and to guide them. And what he doesn't do is he does not leave us. He doesn't leave them. He carries on in these verses with with instructions for them and for, for those that he is sending. And we'll continue reading Matthew 9, 37 and 38. The last two verses of this passage, he says to the disciples, The harvest is truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus sees a problem here. And the diagnosis of this problem is not enough workers. The prescription for that diagnosis, pray to the Lord. Jesus is speaking their language here. And they will understand what needs to be done by the words that he is saying. He's telling them that there is a harvest. And do you know what? He's actually telling them that there is a plentiful harvest. And in their context, and hearing those words, well, that's, that's not actually all bad. Jesus does see the individual. And he sees the tremendous need here of the people. But, but what a harvest is, is a harvest is a start. But a plentiful harvest, there's something to work with here. And there's certainly something that needs to be done. That's without question. This cannot be left any longer. These people cannot be left any longer. And church, if the harvest is plentiful, then the opportunity is tremendous. And I don't profess to know much of anything about, about harvesting, about farming. But what, what I do know is this. It's hard work. You know the same way that often we, we think that we put in a long day or or something like that and maybe in your context you do but if you're a laborer working a harvest then you're up before the sun rises your day is long and your work is labor intensive those things are basically guaranteed now if you're just one of a few laborers If you're just one of a few, then your job becomes even harder. 
There's more work for you to do. So Jesus is about to send the disciples out with plenty of work and not many of them to do it. And this is where his final point comes in. That prescription that we talked about earlier. There is so much work to do. There is, there is, there is few to do it. But what does he tell them to do? He tells them to pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Jesus is about to equip them. He's about to send them out here in the next chapter. And we'll cover that next week. But yes, they need to pray for God's supply. They need to pray for more hands for the harvest. But what does this mean for us? In our context, where we are. We need to catch the vision that has been cast here. Church, Christ followers, brothers and sisters, we need to be burdened by the burden. The compassion that Jesus has for those who are lost is tremendous. Those who are sick is tremendous. We must carry out his mission. We must be workers who do what Jesus did. Moved with compassion. Going out and making disciples. Preaching the good news of the kingdom. And healing the sick. Not avoiding that. Not avoiding that. Healing the sick. We began by mentioning the, sorry we mentioned earlier the compassion of Jesus and, and this, is, this is where we, we want to bring our focus to as we draw to a close. The compassion of Jesus church, it preaches the kingdom of God. It heals the sick and diseased and it gives the lost sheep a shepherd. And I want to, to speak to those tonight who feel weary, harassed, scattered, helpless, lost. Jesus has compassion for you in a way that is so beyond how, how, how we can describe it. I can't even describe to you how much he loves you, the compassion that he has for you. He wants you to know that you can be found. He wants you to know that you are loved, that you do not need to be lost. And, and the Bible tells us this. Again, for those who would feel scattered, who would feel without community, it tells us this. That all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. It, it, it puts us all in together. We all had this problem. We all have this problem. All of us, we fall short of the glory of God. We are all scattered. We are all sheep without a shepherd. But God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were lost, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came to earth and, and shares the
these incredible words that we have read here tonight. And he tells us with the greatest compassion that, there, that, that we no longer need to be lost. Jesus comes to earth. He lives a perfect life. He dies on a cross for us in the state that we are in. He is buried in a tomb. And three days later, he rises from the dead. And when he does that, what he does is he, is he promises, as, as was said at the start there, he's a promise keeper. And, and when he rises from the dead, he's keeping his promise to us as well. Because he is saying that you can have eternal life. That you can live forever. This, this, whole, this whole you being found. You being, you being healed. You being restored. It, it doesn't just need to be here. It doesn't just need to be for now. It's for eternity. Eternity spent with Jesus Christ. That's what he offers. When he rose from the dead. He offers us eternal life. He offers us death to our old lives and resurrection with him. And it's as simple as this. Confessing with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believing in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. Know that you are in need. Know that you need a saviour. Know that, that you have sin that you need saving from. Know that Jesus is the one, as we said at the start, that he is the one, the chosen one, the only one, who can deliver you from that. And believe in your heart. Know what we have read. That Jesus lived a perfect life. That he died on the cross for our sins. And that God raised him from the dead. And you will be saved. Can I encourage you at the end of the night. And I know pastor said this at the start. If, if something has spoken to you tonight. Or you need prayer for anything. Jesus is interested in the whole individual. All of you. All of you. The entire individual. If you need prayer for healing tonight. Or maybe you do not know Jesus Christ as your saviour. Well there are people who really want to speak with you. They want to pray with you. And when you go out those doors you'll see them quite clearly. Or if not you'll see myself or Pastor Matt or, or, or Paul whoever you um, came with tonight. But don't leave. Don't leave without speaking to somebody. Say what's on your mind. Allow God to do a work in your life. Let me pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for what he has taught us. Thank you, God, that tonight that we are no longer lost because we are found in you. Thank you God for all that you have given us and continue to give us. And by your grace would you lead us in ministering to others as your son Jesus did. Would we go, would we preach the kingdom 
God, by your power, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would we see people healed. God, help us, guide us, and use us. In your son's holy and precious name we pray.